It's Friday, September 8th, and you're listening to Michigan News from MLive. I'm Patrick Shea. Coming up, we'll dive deep into a couple big stories this week. We'll hear from reporter Ben Orner about demonstrations at the state capitol where tenants called for lower rent throughout the state. Then Audra Gamble has an update from Ottawa County, where the health department is trying to push back on major budget cuts. Then I'll give a rundown of some more headlines from MLive.com and an update on sports news with the Spartans, Wolverines, and Lions football seasons all underway. That's all ahead on this week's episode of Michigan News from MLive. Rent is too damn high. It's a rallying cry first made popular by a 2005 candidate for mayor of New York City, but it's since been repeated across the country as many Americans say their monthly expenses are growing a lot faster than their wages. The slogan was front and center this week as hundreds of demonstrators gathered outside the state capitol in Lansing. Ben Orner is a political reporter with MLive and is here to tell us more about this issue. Hi, Ben. Hey, Patrick. Ben, paint a picture for us here. What was the scene outside the state capitol on Tuesday? So the state capitol gets a lot of rallies, uh, especially in these uh, summer months. And oftentimes they're, they're pretty small or, I guess, modest. This was pretty big, uh, around 200 people from what I estimated, and um, a lot of passion, a lot of folks uh, on the steps of the capitol, on the lawn, and a lot of these big red signs with big white letters that say the rent is too damn high with this giant banner across the uh, the front of the Capitol. It was, uh, it was a scene. And what was the mood like there? I know you spoke with a lot of demonstrators. Tell me a bit about some of the issues they were raising, you know, beyond that simple slogan. So it seemed to be a collection of uh, essentially tenants' rights groups and just people who were, you know, either fed up with their landlords or uh, passionate about uh, tenants' rights. Um, and these collections of groups uh, took turns and made some very impassioned speeches about um, their personal stories dealing with what they see as an unjust system or unfair landlords or, you know, rent uh, being raised uh, more and more every year, sometimes um, 100, 200 or more dollars at a time. Can you remember any specific individuals you talked with and maybe their stories that, that brought them to become active in this way? Uh, yeah, two guys that I talked to, uh, one guy from Lansing said that uh, he's been having an issue with his uh, landlord for a while saying that um, his monthly rent went up uh, 150 bucks this summer uh, despite some living conditions that he has an issue with. Uh, he described sewage in the basement, mold in his windows, uh, and what he said was verbally abusive management. And um, But that was just one guy. There was, there was actually a, a pretty organized uh, group out of Ann Arbor um, who's, uh, these folks are railing against uh, McKinley Properties, which is a, a large landlord in the Ann Arbor area. And uh, uh, some of those folks uh, you know, were just describing what they've described to Ann Arbor City Council and, and other uh, avenues in the, in the past. And um, it, it was a very uh, cohesive rally. And uh, there's a lot of solidarity among uh, these renters who they say they're fed up with an unjust system. Hmm. And you reported, Ben, that these renters were there not just in protest, but also in support of a package of bills that 
Democrats hope to move through the legislature this fall. Tell us what lawmakers hope to accomplish with those bills. Sure. So they've passed um, maybe a couple uh, housing-related bills um, in the spring legislative session. Uh, This week is the first week that uh, the legislature is back for the fall. And uh, one representative, Emily Devendorf of Lansing, told uh, my colleague Jordan Hermony last month that uh, she plans to introduce a package of about 15 to 20 bills that uh, are trying to tackle homelessness, giving homelessness, uh, giving homeless folks uh, a sort of bill of rights. She wants to tackle um, making housing more affordable, making it more accessible, and just generally keeping people in safe and livable homes. Those bills have not been introduced yet, um, but uh, it sounds like she's talking with uh, Democratic leadership, and uh, we should see those uh, trickle through uh, later this year. And Ben, I understand Michigan is among many states that have a ban on rent control. That means the state or municipality can't enforce a cap on how much a landlord can can charge their tenant, I guess. And some other states do allow for rent control, Maryland or California, for example. Did any of these demonstrators mention that as a potential cost of living solution? Oh, absolutely. That was probably one of the biggest things that uh, that we heard. I think there were signs even saying like, you know, stop the, the ban on, on rent control. Uh, and, and right, Michigan has has a ban. Other places don't. Um, and that I think would be at least the advocates believe would be a, a major step forward in their efforts for uh, tenants to have more rights. Hmm. And finally, Ben, why now? The rising cost of rent is certainly not a brand new issue. So what made this week the right time for this rally? Um, I would say, you know, I cover the legislature and from a legislative point of view, and and I don't know how much this factors into, you know, the the timing from these groups, but this is the first time in 40 years that uh, Democrats have controlled the entire Michigan legislature. And, um, you know, these, uh, these tenants' rights groups, you know, these, the, the things that they're asking for are generally uh, liberal um, asks, liberal policy asks. And this is the first time in 40 years that uh, most of these things really have a chance to go forward. So I, I don't know if, if that's exactly why they, they're bringing up this issue now. It's especially salient considering the cost of high rent, inflation, and all that. But um, it seems that the, the calls from these advocates and the, the fact that Democrats are in leadership, uh, those things are coming together at the right time. And uh, I think we're going to see uh, housing and tenants' rights issues uh, come forward in the legislature this year. Ben Orner is a political reporter with MLive. You can read his story on MLive.com. It's called Tenants Say Rent is Too High. Michigan lawmakers say they have solutions. Ben, thanks for your time. Thanks, Patrick. Now it's Ottawa County, where changes in local government have gained national attention. In recent weeks, a push and pull over the health department's budget has stirred up controversy. Reporter Audra Gamble has an update on this developing story on MLive.com and is here now to tell us more. Audra, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So let's start with the backstory. There seems to be a real rift here between Ottawa County Administrator John Gibbs and the county's health officer, Adeline Hamley. When did this all start? Oh, man, there's a whole lot of backstory here. (laughs) Um, So during the the COVID-19 pandemic, 
Um, there was a, a private Christian school called Libertas, and the school officials decided to not adhere to the, the state-mandated masking mandates and um, social distancing, that kind of thing, uh, which resulted in the, the local health department in Ottawa County um, shutting the school down because they weren't complying with with those state rules. Um, one of the parents of that school, you know, a child in the school, um, his name is Joe Moss. And after that happened, he basically decided to become far more politically involved than he ever had been before. Um, and he and a, another person called Sylvia Rohde formed this far-right political action committee called Ottawa Impact. And in last year's primary cycle, and then, you know, also in, in November, the people that ran with Ottawa Impact, um, it was all, you know, branded, same websites, same yard signs, that sort of thing. They took over a, a majority of the county board. So right from the get-go, they, you know, were very clear that they were unhappy with how the health department was handling things, handling the, the pandemic, um, and, and kind of had a little bit of an axe to grind. So the first meeting that Ottawa Impact was sworn in, um, one of the first things they did was they they fired the previous county administrator and put in John Gibbs, who is a, a failed District 3 con uh, congressional candidate um, in, in West Michigan. And so he is now the county administrator for Ottawa County. And he and Joe Moss have, have kind of worked together to make some pretty sweeping changes in the county. That's definitely some, some good context and gives me a better understanding of what led to this point. Now, a couple weeks ago, the county proposed budget cuts for the health department of more than 50%. What sort of impact does Hamley say that would have? Yeah, so the part of the budget that we're talking about, so the county right now and, you know, all counties in, in the state are going through their fiscal year 2024 budget process right now. So I know this sounds kind of strange, but the fiscal year starts in October <laughs> for, for governments. Right. So, you know, they're, they're kind of right in the thick of it getting that done. Originally, back in May, the administrative health officer, Adeline Hambly, she proposed a budget for her department that was right around $6.4 million. A couple of weeks ago, at a finance committee meeting, um, Joe Moss and John Gibbs suggested that they wanted that amount cut down to $2.5 million. So that's almost $4 million, you know, difference. Um, and... Hambly came back and she only had two days, um, like two business days to put forth a new budget with, you know, that 60% cut. And she came back and said, in the best circumstance possible, the health department would shut down within two months. And that's, I mean, fully shut down. It's a pretty immediate and severe impact that Hamley foresees. So MLive has reported that after these budget cuts were proposed, like you said, Hamley was given just two days to respond. She then filed for an emergency hearing with the Michigan Court of Appeals as she felt her firing was imminent. What did Hamley and her attorneys hope to achieve with that hearing? So there was a meeting Tuesday this week that was just just a normal, you know, finance committee meeting, which normally, <laughs> I don't know if folks have spent a lot of time going to, to county governance meetings, but man, those are boring most of the time. I mean, there's very rarely, you know, anyone in the audience, that kind of thing. But that's not the case in Ottawa County anymore. I mean, every meeting is people are kind of waiting with bated breath of what bombshell kind of thing is going to happen, what big changes are going to be made. It's not unheard of for these commissioners to add things that are pretty controversial to the agenda last minute, right before the meeting starts. So um, Hambly 
thought that there was a real possibility that they were going to try to fire her at the meeting on Tuesday. Um, so this was, uh, a, you know, a legal effort to try to stop that happening. It did not happen. You might have heard a little bit of noise from some dogs in the background. Just a reminder that these reporters are busy and taking time out of their day to be here on the show with us. So my apologies that our puppy is a little noisy. <laughs> That's totally fine. We're getting her take on all of this, too. So ultimately, what what came out of that meeting? Was there any decision made on this budget disagreement? So it definitely is not a finalized set in stone situation yet until the Board of Commissioners have their final vote and approve the entire budget. Um, there was a little bit of a, I guess I'll say backtracking on the part of um, Administrator Gibbs at the meeting this week. Back in May, the budget that Adeline Hambly put forward was $6.4 million. Then they asked her to drop it to $2.5 million. And then this week, again, with just a couple of days' notice, that's been bumped back up to $4.3 million. So it's still over a $2 million cut of what she initially put forward, but definitely a significant increase from the $2.5 million that they were asking a couple of weeks ago. So, Audra, what's, what's next? I mean, what will you be watching for as you continue following this story? We're definitely looking to see what different departmental services will be trimmed or cut because of this. Uh, we've heard from Adeline Hambly that some of the things she expects to be cut are things like um, STD testing and prevention, family planning. Um, there's a, a mobile dental service for underinsured children called Miles for Smiles. That's one of the things that's possibly going to be trimmed. And I think a lot of folks don't realize how much a health department does. It's not just, you know, getting your flu shot, which of course they also do. But they also test groundwater for safety, for drinking. They um, do food inspections for for restaurants that are opening or, you know, establishments that, you know, might not be following food uh, health code. Um, There's a, a lot of things that the health department does and all of that costs money and staff. So it will be interesting to see how all of that shakes out and and where the commissioners land on what services, um, you know, they're willing to let go of or, um, you know, see the the community push back from that. Last night, they had a a pretty well-attended rally for um, the, the health department employees to just show them, you know, a little bit of support. And there were hundreds of people there. So it's certainly a, an evolving scenario here as, as the budget process continues. But we're expecting a really big turnout of public comment at that public hearing next week. So lots of folks are making what they want known. Audra Gamble is the lead news reporter for MLive West Michigan. You can read continued coverage of this controversy around the Ottawa County Health Department's budget at MLive.com. Audra, Thanks for your reporting. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's been a short work week following Labor Day, so this episode's format is a little bit different. Here's a rundown of some of the week's top stories on MLive.com. Speaking of Labor Day, a crowd of 35,000 gathered in Mackinac City for the annual Bridge Walk. The five-mile bridge between Michigan's upper and lower peninsulas was closed to traffic as the crowd walked across the Straits of Mackinac. It was the biggest turnout since 2016, when a record 45,000 people attended the event. Defense attorneys for former Grand Rapids police officer Christopher Schur are appealing the charge of second-degree murder after the shooting of Patrick Leoya last April. 
The Michigan Fraternal Order of Police are among several organizations backing Christopher Schur and have filed an amicus brief in the appeals case. They argue that the charge should be dismissed and that Schur's shooting of Leoya in the back of the head was in self-defense, as the two struggled over the former officer's taser. The appeals panel heard arguments on Wednesday. The charges against Schur won't move forward until the court's ruling, which could take several weeks. If the appeal is denied, Schur's defense attorneys could take the case to the Michigan Supreme Court. Governor Gretchen Whitmer has appointed a new director of the Department of Natural Resources. Scott Bowen was formerly the Michigan Lottery Commissioner, but was announced as the new DNR director on Tuesday. Bowen said in a statement, quote, It will be an honor to contribute to a chapter of the agency's long history of managing and protecting the natural and cultural resources that help define what it means to be from Michigan. And some sports news with college football and the NFL now underway. There were several season openers for college ball in Michigan since last episode. The Eastern Michigan Eagles beat the Bison of Howard University by 10 points with a final score of 33-23. to They'll find themselves underdogs next week as they take on the Minnesota Golden Gophers in Minneapolis. In Kalamazoo, the Broncos of Western Michigan won their opener as well, beating the St. Francis Red Flash 35-17. to Next, they're headed to New York to face the heavily favored Syracuse. It was the first of Jim Harbaugh's three-game suspension for the Michigan Wolverines, but they still made easy work of East Carolina with a final score of 30-3. They're heavy favorites in another non-conference game this Saturday as they take on UNLV at the Big House. The Spartans found themselves trailing Central Michigan just before halftime, but rallied back for a comfortable win. 31-7 was the final score. They'll take on the Spiders of the University of Richmond on Saturday. And how about them Lions? Detroit's season is off to a flying start with a narrow victory over Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City, the defending Super Bowl champs. Hear all about it from Lions beat reporters Kyle Meinke and Ben Raven on the Dungeon of Doom podcast later today. But that's all for this morning. Hope you had a restful Labor Day and a fun-filled summer all around. If not, you've still got a couple weeks. Thanks for listening to Michigan News from MLive. I'm Patrick Shea. Have a great weekend.